All right, Yuli, before we get going, there was a request to, to send a team out to check out that house. Do you think if we gave you some paper, you could draw a map for us to get us to the house? Uh, sure, yeah, I could do that. All right, so let's do that later on today, all right? Okay. The outbuilding was about 50 yards away, a big gray aluminum thing with giant doors that looked like you'd bring in a 747 and use it as a hangar. I wondered if Xavier wanted to go around to the front of the house and look for the guy he shot with a crossbow, but he didn't. At least we, we didn't. He didn't. We didn't leave the house that way, and he didn't mention it. If it were me, I'd feel pretty sick about shooting somebody, even if it had been in self-defense. Thing was, we didn't know if it killed him. Getting shot with an arrow isn't like getting shot with a bullet. That's what I've been told. Not good enough, though. That's for sure. We strode right into the aluminum building like we owned the place. Right through the unlocked side door, I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw everything that they were keeping in there. I saw a royal blue Porsche 911 and a late model yellow Corvette and a tan Peugeot all in mint condition like somebody had been out there waxing and shining them all night. They were parked in a line, bumper to bumper, with just enough room to walk between. I walked ahead to the next row and spotted a giant, pimped out black and silver car that looked like it belonged to Elvis. I gazed at it for a while, taking in the wide white wall tires and sparkling chrome. Sandro looked at me and nodded. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, I asked. He walked over to it, popped open the door, and headed to the driver's seat with me, falling right behind. The key was in a cup holder, and Xavier wasted no time sitting down and turning on the engine. But it didn't turn over. Not a click, not a whir, not anything at all that sounded like an engine preparing to run. Just silence. So nothing works anymore, I said. I have some theories, Xavier said, standing up and dropping the keys back into the cup holder. I nodded and bounded down the steps and out of the camper when I realized Finn McCool wasn't with us. Where's your dog, Xavier said. I don't know. I saw a door along the far wall and headed for it, thinking about the kind of people who own all these vehicles and kept them in a building that was as clean as a surgery, even painting gray concrete floors and straight yellow lines, parking sp spaces for each vehicle. Through the next door were old cars, not just old. They were antiques. Two Model Ts, both black, a powder blue Corvair, a white 57 Chevy, and four big round things from the 1930s or 40s. From where I stood, I imagined there was a Studebaker or, old, or Oldsmobile, maybe a Pontiac. I kind of like old cars and make, and make a, a lot of models of them. Sometimes my grandfather takes me to a car show, so I've picked up some stuff about the old cars. I looked around and Xavier was gone, and I heard a strange tapping on the concrete until I realized it had to be Fimicool's claws in the cement. Sure enough, I spotted his huge head coming through the side door of the garage, his tongue hanging and him panting like he had been running. Hey, boy, I said as he trotted over to me and licked my hand. We both jumped when we heard the engine turn, loud and unexpected in the garage. I headed for the sound and saw Xavier grinning behind the wheel of a big old green car. I hadn't seen it at first, but now I saw it was old, but not ancient. I figured in the early 1970s. On the grill, in cursive, it said Oldsmobile. Its radiant white while tires shone bright in the, gro in the gloom of the garage. Let's go, Xavier yelled. Gas gauge says it's nearly three quarters full. I looked around and saw the car was packed up against a regular-sized garage door, so I jogged around and threw it open. Xavier pulled out like he had done it a thousand times, all efficient and confident. I closed the garage door again, figuring it was the least I could do since we were stealing their car. Stepping over to Xavier, he rolled down the window as I yelled over the powerful engine, We need to get our stuff in the house! Right, I almost forgot, he yelled back happily. I'll meet you over there. The car lurched and sped away, leaving us in a cloud of dust and me looking at Finn and Finn looking at me. Come on, boy, I said, jogging back to the house as he loped beside me on his draft-like legs. Xavier left the car running, already inside, throwing food into the pack when I got there. 
I found a box in the pantry and threw in some more cans and boxes of cereal, then grabbed the milk and orange juice from the fridge, figuring we can drink it today. With our packs loaded and a box in hand, I headed to the car and put it in the back seat. Wait, I said, and jogged back into the house. In the fridge, I found two packs of hot dogs and some hamburger meat. In the freezer, I found some coolants and wrapped everything in the newspaper left on the counter. When I got back to the car, I opened the back door for Finn to hop in, but he just looked at me. Come on, boy. He stared at me, but, I, but didn't move. I let him smell the wrapped up meat and slid into the back seats myself, and he nearly knocked me out with his head when he thundered through the open door into the seat beside me. He was licking his lips and shaking, like, like he had come to a big decision. Then I remember him. He had been lo locked up in, a, in the truck, trapped for who knows how many hours, or even days. Let's go, I said. They were dropped the lever on the steering column into drive, and we spun our rear wheels tires, kicking up dust until the tires gripped and we sped down the gravel driveway. I pulled out a hot dog for Finn, and he took it between his teeth and doggy lips like I had given him a cigarette, pulling it there for a moment before tossing it back with, without a bite. He stared at me intently until I gave him another one and then another one until I had given him five. The only reason I stopped was because I didn't want him throwing up. When I got out the water and set the bowl on the floorboard, he was drinking before I even finished pouring. His head down, his back end, touching the ceiling of the car with me sliding to the far end of the seat. The car was huge, so we actually had enough room since the back seat was like my own twin bed. I'd like to go to Harrisburg, I said. Okay, Xavier said. Do you have a license, I asked? No, I'm 14. I don't think it matters anymore, I said. No, probably not, Xavier said, his eyes on the road and both hands on the big, shiny plastic steering. I think it had power steering, but I didn't ask him because about it because he looked like he was really concentrating. I wanted to know where he'd learned to drive, but I didn't because just then Finn burped in my face so close I wondered if he was trying to offend me. I rolled down his window, and he stuck his head out, the wind blowing his fur and lips back so I could see his long, fanged teeth with blotches of blood on them. Or so I thought as I looked away.